This is Giants Amongst Us. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time to share in that unique human experience. Welcome to the show. This is Giants Amongst Us. And to everybody listening and tuned in right now, Thank you for being a part of this show and allowing these stories to coexist and intermingle with what you have going on right now at this very moment. And with that being said, I want to give a special shout out to a few places which I've seen recently that have came up on the feed showing that they've plugged in and tuned in to what's been going on over here and the stories that have been shared. And some of the more recent locales are Places like Council Bluffs, Altoona, Ashburn, Pineville, Los Angeles. I'm seeing Eagle Mountain, New Albany, even out in Helsinki, Finland. We have Los Lunas, San Jose. So thank you to everybody that's been tuned in up until now. Let's keep this thing moving. Let's keep this thing grooving and continuing to embrace life in all of its shapes and forms and trying to make the most of this ride as best we know how. We've got a special one today. And the reason I say it's special is because the woman who is joining us today to share her story in the speaker piece is someone who I know personally. She's someone who, with her love and understanding and patience, has taught me a lot about myself. And she's helped me come out of a shell and to not be so cold and closed off to relationships. I've learned how to love again and how to be open for something new again. I'm thankful for her. I'm grateful for her. She's a big inspiration as to why I do this show. She's a big inspiration as to the reason behind this show. And this beautiful woman, this beautiful human being is my wife. We were sitting around the house and we thought, why not share a conversation and a dialogue about some of what you've been through? So she was all for it. You're going to hear some of her background, where she comes from, and how at an early age she was already sure of wanting to be a nurse. And that's what she did. For 23 years, she worked in an intensive care unit. She put all her blood, all her sweat, all her tears into that until her health was completely shot and it was suffering. It got pretty bad. She had two major surgeries recently, both of them being about a year apart. The first one was a spinal fusion for her back and the next one, a spinal fusion for her neck. But she's got a lot of fight in her. So she's gonna give us a glimpse of how it was for her working as a nurse in an intensive care unit and what changed why she ended up hanging up her scrubs and switching jobs, changing paths. She's also going to talk about how it was dealing with the surgeries, her the steps she took towards recovery, towards healing, and, and, and share some insight on what's helped her along the way. But rather than me tell it, I'll just go ahead and bring it in. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Monique and her story. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. We've got a special one today. <laughs> and the reason it's special <laughs> is because today joining us is the inspiration. I have two special women in my life. One is my mother and the other one is Mo Mosey, my one and only, my wife. We were speaking earlier today and we decided to hook this thing up and have a little talk. She wanted to join us and talk a little bit about some of her experiences in life. This woman has the fighting spirit the spirit of a warrior and she'll be the first one to talk it down like oh come on that's enough but like I said she is the inspiration behind this show and I'm happy to have her on so she can speak her piece and share her story with everybody out there so thank you very much for taking time out of your day taking time out of your evening and sitting down with us home with to you. have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. How's everything going, my dear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. Why don't you, just for the sake of giving us some background on where you come from and how it was for you growing up. Okay, so... My name is Monique. For all those who don't know me, my husband is calling me Mimosi. And I am born and raised in the east side of uh, Germany. I was born when the wall was still up. And yeah, that's where I grew up uh, all of my childhood and youth. And later on, with 17, I moved out. I went to the west side. I went to Frankfurt because I got my apprenticeship over there as a nurse. And that's what I always wanted to do. And that's that's what I did. I was pretty young, but I, I made it. <laughs> did you jump on the... I don't, I don't even know if I... You probably did tell me bef- before, but did you, from Gera to mm-hmm. Frankfurt, did you take the train or did your parents drive you over there? My first boyfriend back then, he drove me with my mother. And we had a few few items I wanted to bring and make it a little homely for me. And that, that was it. And then they left me. It was a weekend. And now my uh, laptop turned black. What is this? Do you still hear me? Yeah. I can still hear you. Yeah, so they they dropped me off pretty much. We shared a day, and then and then I was crying, and I was I was so young. I thought like, damn, they leave me here in a in a big city. It's like millions of people around me, all the different nations. I never knew because you know, on the east side of Germany, we we didn't had a lot foreigners. So I went to the total opposite, mm-hmm. which was Frankfurt, where like about 85 nations are meeting. <laughs> and, and, and it was very colorful for me, but mm-hmm. I loved it. I I dove into different religions. I dove into all these different types of foods and um, 
yeah, that that was always something interesting and made made it a little easier later on for me to, yeah, to live alone so young, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you moved over there, and you got right into it yeah. with your studies. Mm-hmm. You see, you're one of these. You're one of those people that I always say, my goodness, you know, I I I never had. Uh, probably because I wasted a lot of time when I was younger and, and wasted years, but I never had a focus. I never had, I, I wasn't one of those people when I was younger and said, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I had these crazy dreams. Oh yeah, I'm going to be a baseball player. I'm going to play football mm-hmm. or um, those kind of things. But you. Oh, from, from early, early on though. I was, I was a- <laughs> Yeah, I can put I, I can put one out there. <laughs> I knew very, I knew very early that I wanted to be a nurse, and where this, this came from was how early? Shoot, I was probably like, well, I started visiting my aunts, which were nurses, when I was. I do remember when I was six, and and those were my idols. My my mother's uh, sisters were nurses. And they worked in a in a home for ah, mentally ill and disabled people, and those were some hardliners over there. So my mom was always scared when we visited her sister, and I was always, oh, this is so interesting, you know? Why why do they run towards me and and yell and cry? And my mom, she she was hiding. She shut. She said, Monique, come. And I was always like, oh man. And I looked you up. You weren't afraid of them? I was never afraid of them because I knew they'd just do so or they stopped right in front of me. They all knew me. So I, my aunt, she always took me uh, while she handed them out their medicine, while she um, gave them food. And then she said, Monique, do you want to do that? And I loved it. And I had my, my few... Uh, uh, people I always wanted to see, and I always visited over there. And I and I started very early to feed them, to talk with them. When I could, could read, I started reading them a book, and and I knew, damn, this is my thing. I I want to be like my my auntie. You know, that was always cool to me. She seemed always strong, and so helpful, and she never was judgmental against these people, which were obviously different. You know. And that's what what I uh, truly loved. And then, yeah, yeah, that was when when that was growing in me that I want to be a nurse. Those those were my heroes. For men or women that get into the medical field for the right reasons, they have to be a special human being because it's not for everybody. And then you can probably talk a little bit about that later on in life, where it's a battlefield mm-hmm. and you are going to war every single day but um from a very early age you already had that desire to want to do that and you were already making it a point also you said you were you were going with your uh with your aunts you yeah. were going to visit the psych wards but then you were also going like on your spare time weren't you and you would visit the uh omas and opas yeah there was an elderly home right where where I was living and after school I was I was always a little different though you know I, I love to go out with my friends and and I love to play but I always had on mind I want to do something positive or um, f- for others also so I started thinking like what can I do in my free time 
besides, you know, playing and talking and, and meeting up. And so I, um, it was about when I was 11 or 12. And I, I knew that there was this elderly home right across the street. And I was like, there are probably so many little omas and opas, or for those who don't know that word, like grand, grannies uh, sitting or do I say grannies? Grandma, grandpa. <laughs> yeah, grandfather sitting there alone, maybe have no visit or, you know, and also I had on mind and the nurses are probably under stuff because that, that was also something I, I knew that this, this was always there. So I decided like, how about if I go there and just ask the nurses if I can help them while I visit maybe uh, a few and maybe I can play some games with them. And they were like, they were so surprised, you know, I was, I was young. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, Monique, we have um, uh, one little Oma, she's always alone, and she is very old, and I still know her name. She was about 90, but mentally, totally fit. And she was so happy that I, when I started visiting her, she was talking about her childhood, how she grew up, what she was and what she did. And she had a son, but he had no no time or didn't make time to visit her. And her biggest wish was, she always told me, Monique, I'm sitting here on this bed. And while I watch outside the window, because this is almost everything I can do, I see how the season is changing, you know, for how it turns from the spring to the summer, then autumn, and, and then finally it's winter. And she said, and I love winter. And she said, oh, well, what would I give to be outside in the snow and have a snowball in my hands? And that's what I did. When winter was, I I told her, come on, we go, we're going to go outside. And she said, Monique, well, how, how do we go outside? I cannot walk. And I said, well, I have a wheelchair here. She said, yeah, but my jacket, I said, here is your winter jacket. She said, I don't know if I can fit in. So I said, you're going to fit in. I have this blanket. And I, I put that jacket on and she was sitting in a wheelchair and I, I took her outside and she was mm. crying. It was really just sitting her down in this wheelchair, drive her down with an mm -hmm. elevator, which was really no big biggie and just was outside and it was snowing and i made her the snowball and she took it up mm. <laughs> she took it up to her room and put it outside on her window so she could always have it again to touch it because she loved it she loved that icy feeling you know and no nurses bothered well they probably didn't even have yeah, the time, no time. Mm -hmm. yeah you were were you the only one that age hanging around and visiting yeah Mm -hmm. I had one classmate. She 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 did that with me, but she also loved you know. Well, I do understand that too. To hang mm -hmm. out with with our age yeah. people and and play, yeah. But I I visited her, and I do remember one time. I think I was on holiday or what, and then I wanted to visit her, and I went up there. and I was standing in front of her door, and I was like, something looks different here. And then I looked at 
at that name shield and I was like, where's her name? Am I wrong? And, you know, <laughs> I took the wrong route. And then I, I went to the nurse and they see me how I was uh, standing. In front, and they say, Monique, Monique, you, you, you didn't visit us for a while. I said, yeah, we were on holiday. She said, I have to tell you what, uh, something. And I was like, hmm? And then she said, come on, we're going to sit down, Monique. And then she told me that she passed, you know. That, so that was the first uh, contact for me or that I that I heard, like s- someone, you know, made it over the bridge. Yeah. And I was sitting there, I was crying, and oh, my God, I was, she was like my little Oma, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, I hope, you know, you can handle it. I, but I was pretty attached to her, though. But, yeah. And not, not to fast forward too far, but even to mm-hmm. this day you still have mm-hmm. <laughs> you still have older we're talking about older friends, friends that you go visit you go just, see how they're 85. doing you take our yeah. little dog over to them you um a, a couple of them one who just recently passed away mm-hmm. well there was a few actually that yeah. passed away and um but yeah. the uh get the the mm-hmm. recent one and and he was yeah was it both he had one leg amputated right and the yeah. same thing yeah. that you were Monday, you were yeah. doing for him, you yeah. were you were getting him out of his bed. He hadn't been out of his bed. I don't know for how long, but these mm-hmm. are people that you still you still visited, you still built a relationship with, and you still brought light to their house every and yeah. and a few of them. Well, actually, both of them that I'm speaking of, you brought me over, and I was able to meet them, and and then they were they were very sweet and and so mm-hmm. thankful to have you. But I know that's just a part of you. That's just who yeah. you are, and it <laughs> it's from 11 years old, even before mm-hmm. 11, yeah. to but- now. <laughs> Those are just the the ones I can't. I don't know why it is. So I mean, Crystal, she's eighty five. Yeah. Crystal, yeah, <laughs> so, she still calls. So, She'll call. She calls. I have, yeah. Well, when we when we talk, goodness. So you go much visit fun. her. You go I have a, cake and yeah. coffee with her, and yeah, um, yeah mm-hmm. she's yeah, she's she's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had that at a very young age, mm-hmm. and then eventually well, also, found you. Hmm? Also in the, in that in that elderly home, I visited that that one specific lady. But the end of, of just a little funny story, because then the nurses asked me. She's, they said, "Monique, you want to play a game um, with someone?" I said, "Yeah, okay." And so I started playing that game with that one Oma, and 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 she was getting mad at me, you know. And I was like, "Why do you yell?" And then she started throwing the dice at me, and and I was like, "Damn, what is going on?" She was highly dement, you know. She she, but I oh. had no idea. I I was just so confused that she did all that and that she was yelling at me she threw everything at me <laughs> so so i i <laughs> i really <laughs> learned like all these different shapes of us and different mental states different diseases different opinions di- different ages you know everything and 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 that was always so fascinating for me yeah, yeah, that beat watching and, TV. Oh yeah, I never was the type of to watch TV a lot. Mm-mm. I could I not know, focus that's one, anyway. <laughs> uh, that's one thing I'm always bringing, and especially because of where you come from and everything. And there was no kind of 
like how I always bring up, you know, to, <laughs> to this day, I'll bring up references to movies and yeah. TV shows. And like, do you not know? No. How it was for me growing up. Mm -hmm. We didn't have none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, we had TVs though, but I was not not really interested. In yeah. In the, on when we still had the East Side. That's right. No, you were doing it right. You were embracing the world and all the people inside of it. You were embracing mm -hmm. life. Put it like that. Yeah. I was outdoorsy. I mean, we we all probably mm -hmm. uh, around our age. We were all outdoorsy, and I was a little bit tomboyish. I told you that, but I, I was riding motorcycles, yeah. no license, of course. That's right. My, I always had had more more boyfriends. They they taught me how to repair it, and they taught me how to to drive, and yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that was always always my thing: be be out outside, and yeah. Yeah, and eventually, <laughs> you found mm -hmm. yourself. In Frankfurt, following yeah. your heart and your desire yeah. to want to help people and to want to become mm -hmm. a, a nurse. And that's where you went to do your apprenticeship. And you were a nurse for how long? Well, now it's, it's 23 years. 23 mm -hmm. years. How yeah. about, can you talk a little bit about how it was for you? when you got involved with it mm -hmm. and yeah. I mean it you can probably write a book about oh, yeah. everything that you you seen you dealt with you experienced in in a nursing mm -hmm. field but just I guess how it was like your expectations when you yeah. first got into it and then how things um mm -hmm. how you know how they kind of evolved yeah. and how you started feeling later on in your mm -hmm. years when you had some experience in time under your belt. Mm -hmm. So um, in school, I was never a good pupil to, to say that. I was lazy. I never. I don't believe it. Oh, you can believe me. You can ask my mom. I was lazy, never did homework. I'd rather spend time outside, you know, <laughs> what is homework for? And, and all that nonsense we had to learn. I was like, I never, never need all that. So it never made really sense. I was lazy, brought home bad notes, but I always managed to, to make it, you know, so that was different when I started my apprenticeship as a nurse because this was truly something I wanted to do and where I had a compassion in me for that. Okay, wait, to, not to, well, to, mm -hmm. to cut you off. You mean in you mean when you were in, in grade school and everything, in you grade, were lazy, yeah. but mm -hmm. then it yeah. because that that wasn't where yeah. your interest was at. Ah, I, yeah. I got it. In okay. school, yeah. that That's what I wanna, wanted to say, you know, in, in my school years, like high school or junior or what, I was I was lazy, but in my, while I did my apprenticeship, I I was the best pupil you, uh, you could imagine, you know. I was so compassionate. It was a lot of stuff to learn and to study, but I had no problem to sit down after eight hours of school or after eight hours of shift to to still read something or to still learn and study for a test which was upcoming. And I brought home really like good grades, A's. My mom was saying, and you never brought home such <laughs> a good grade when you was in school. I said, well, this is something I really want to do. And, and after a shift, my doctors knew me. 
because I always I was、uh, so interested in everything. I wanted to know everything and and everything. And then they told me, Monique, we have we have a, a interesting surgery going on. You want to join? And I was always even after eight hours, you know, others were hanging out. They were going in bars. I said, okay. And then gonna gonna. I, I did put the scrubs on and and jumped into it and and was watching the surgeries because for me it was always、uh, better to understand seeing it,、uh, yeah, see it and and then to learn and understand what what is really going on or what is meant when we speak about this and that. So, yeah, I was I was spending a lot of time studying, but it was it was hard.、Um, that's when. When I realized not everything is so rosy red, how how I was thinking, hoping, expecting, however you want to put it, because of course when you have maybe the first when you have death people or or people dying or people really really sick suffering, nobody told us like how to handle it. They say, oh yeah, take your distance, and I and we were we were seventeen, you know, we were like, what do they mean with take your distance? Like should we step away or what? You know, we didn't we didn't understand that they wanted to tell us. You know,、um, uh, how can I explain that? Try to not get attached to, to them. Attached, yeah. But it's like I mean, if you have a heart, sometimes it's pretty hard to it, do. Yeah, and, and and it's easier said than than done. And and a lot of my colleagues they were suffering with that for a long time because they didn't know how. They were like, "Damn, I should take my distance, not be too attached." How this this person is just just so so nice, you know? And that was something I and、mm-hmm. I'm still to that day wishing that. New pupils are、um, getting more help or counseling and schooling f- for that. You know what? What that does that mean? Because it's、mm-hmm. it is very very important to to know how how to do it for our you know for ourselves and.、Uh, Yeah, that that there are a lot of shocking moments because we have nurses which are just、uh, harsh. You know, they don't give a who. They they put you in a situation not even thinking about what they do, how old you are, if you can handle it or not. It's not it's not that you, they pat you on your shoulder and say, "Oh, you did that good." That that's not the case. I mean, I had my de- first death、mm-hmm. person、um, when I was sixteen. Imagine that, sixteen. And they didn't even tell me what 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 I will see or expect.、Uh, it was dramatic, traumatic. It was、wow. it was no bueno. So they pretty much just throw you in the deep waters,、yeah. and you have to start dealing with all this stuff. That I mean, you might have、mm-hmm. some people might have an idea when they get into the nursing field that it it, it might get bloody, it might get gory.、Mm-hmm. And、yeah. it's going to be some things that are going to be intense, but、mm-hmm. I mean, you can have that in your mind and try to prep yourself for it. But nothing is like once、mm-hmm. it's finally there and you're in and you're feeling、yeah. it on you and you're seeing it and you're in the middle of it. That's something completely different. Like you said, it's got to be.、Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a lot、yeah. of nurses. It's traumatic. People that aren't even psychologically、uh, fit themselves or developed emotionally. Half children, still, you know, <laughs> and 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 the other thing is, you know, to control ourselves. They just say, yeah,、um, you have to stay in the situation. If if、uh, 
for an example, if someone feels nauseous and they have to vomit or what, yeah, you have to help them. Damn, <laughs> my be- my best friend back then, she said, "Monique, I'm laying down when this happens." She said, "I'm laying down. I cannot handle this." <laughs> she said, "How do I learn this?" She said, "Just when I hear someone gagging or you know mm-hmm. the smell." She said, "I'm dying." And so nobody really taught us, you know, how can you stay in this situation? We are humans. Come on. Do some 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 people really think mm-hmm. nurses can handle everything. It, this is not the case. Yeah. We there are still some they cannot see blood. <laughs> and there are there there are nurses they 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 don't like to brush teeth or you know. It's but it's always expected that we can we can we can handle everything. And we are there for that. <laughs> that you're superhuman, yeah. but being treated, being treated and looked at like you're just disposable. Yeah, but the thing is, a, a big difference. A big difference is how people, or how a lot of people in Europe or Germany, especially, value us nurses, and how there is a difference to the United States. If your mom heard, when your mom heard, like, with my profession, she was like, oh, my God, you are a nurse. And I was like, what is this? So <laughs> she said, read, oh, on intensive care. Oh, my God, this is, oh. And here you say you're a nurse. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. A nurse? Yeah. Nice. Mm. If you get that, nice. Wow. Inten- yeah. And on top of that, that's what you were involved with the whole 23 years, intensive care. And then you were also working in the psychiatric ward and with children, but children with with um, disabilities and everything you could think of, any kind of condition. Mm-hmm. I started with children around six years. Yeah. And then in the psychiatric uh, I worked with um, addiction on, on a station for people who had addictions. And from there, I switched to the ICU, which was the hardest jump in my life. But I made it. <laughs> and just the amount. I mean, explain if you can mm-hmm. walk people through how it felt like for you, because now you're at this time. You're a mother mm-hmm. and you're having to mm-hmm. put on your game face. And it's like every day when you clock oh. in and step mm-hmm. in, it's like you're at a thousand. You're, you're, all of your, your senses and your adrenaline is just at mm-hmm. a thousand plus. It's go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was it was hard. Highly stressful. Highly, highly stressful on on the ICU. Yeah, it was. That's putting yeah. it lightly. Uh, but um, I, th- that's where I function the the best. You know, under stress when it was loud and and noisy, when when there was a lot going on under stress, I could work like a hundred percent. I was having, of course, when I. As soon as I I came into my station, I was the nurse Monique, and I could handle everything. And when I was out, I just left my scrubs and I washed everything down. And then I it was just me, you know. But then of course I came home sometimes after a very busy run run day and and a lot of stress. And and my little son was was waiting for me, not knowing where I 
where I come from. And of course, then I had to be the mom and have had the house full of kids and was cooking and baking and playing. And that was sometimes very stressful, <laughs> stressful. Yeah. That I, that I was laying down when my child was laying mm. down. Yeah. But working three shifts, of course, that's, yeah, that's wearing you thin. Yeah. Three shifts also, yeah. You mm. got it. And we, we over here, we work sometimes because we were always understaffed. It was kind of normal to work like 12 days straight. And you had like, let's say, seven mornings, uh, a few lates, and then the rest were nights. And then you had maybe two days off. And then here we go again, 12 days straight and... And that's how, how it was. And, and, and we expanded with all the machines. And it was always the newest standards, the newest things we had to have on, on our ICU. So it was always a lot of learning. It was always more put on our shoulders because also we run a different system than in the United States. Yeah. Over here on ICU, there is no... It's, no such thing like CNAs and, and, and all these different nurses. There is one nurse and this one nurse is doing it all. We take the, the blood samples. We uh, check the blood samples. We give the medication. We we do it all. Washing, washing. you clean them. Yeah, we wash them. We, we do everything. We, we take care of the food. We lay. We gonna put the tubes in. If there is, of course, uh, like a CPR going on, or someone has to get intubated, that was when when we call our doctor. But beside that, yeah, we we over here. You do you do it all, <laughs> and then uh, you wear all the hats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you have to do the you know to assist. We had also a lot of open uh, tummies where we had to do the surgeries on station. You are doing the anesthesia. Do, you are working with, you know, you have hands on that. It was always very busy. But, yeah, like I said, that was where I functioned pretty good <laughs> under stress. And and that's kind of hard to to be able to separate yourself from, like, after you're done with working, okay, now mm. it's back to being... Um, just, yeah. just regular mm -hmm. Monique, Me, but never mind everything that mm -hmm. you've seen, yeah. everything like that you've dealt yeah. with. You have family members mm -hmm. that are probably at times, yeah. you know, they're broken and they don't, they're, they're panicking and they're, they're a yeah. mess. And then on top of that, you have lives that are mm -hmm. at stake. And I mean, it's, there's a lot of things going on in, in an intensive care unit. It's not, it's not your, your typical um, people are going in there for you know just a uh, uh, ingrown toenail or something. Right, and and the, also you know my social life was not there. You you get asked when you're a nurse and when you work shift, maybe once like okay, money, you want to join us? We're gonna go into the bar. Uh, okay, and I had to say like maybe, uh, no, I cannot because I'm working. Okay, that was the first no. <laughs> then they ask you maybe one more you know do you want to join we go this and then i have to say oh no i have to sleep because i work night or I, whatever and then people don't ask you no more so friends fall apart i was always too tired even to even i had one day off you yeah. know? I, I, I was not feeling it i mean one day is after working 12 days straight yeah, yeah you're just pooped 
That's <laughs> one day just to try to recover for another 12. Right. And then, and, and, and that's, that's why you, you, I, I was getting pretty unsocial though. I, but I mm-hmm. liked it in a kind of way. It was, it was quiet around me. I just had my, my son and his friends, you know, all that, all that family stuff. Yeah. And you also, um, I mean, it, like even the, the, I mean, we're talking, we're, we're talking also about physical labor. Like you have people that are weighing 200, 300 kilos yeah. that you have to move. And, and if it's mm-hmm. nothing but women there and there's no men yeah. to assist you, it's got to be done. This body has to be moved. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a lot that, that came with it, like wearing on your yeah. body, tearing on your body, not just emotionally and, and psychologically. That that does count mm-hmm. for a lot, but also physically. Yeah. Definitely. I, I mean, on ICU, we, we had a, a few male nurses, but it, still, we had all no time. And it's not that we have one patient to take care of. No, we had two, three, and sometimes four. And that's so much when they're all sedated. I mean, probably the nurses... Four, who, four patients in, <laughs> in one shift that you had to look, I had look to, after? Yeah. And and probably the nurses who, who who are listening now, maybe the German or European, they, they they know that problem. But maybe in other countries it's different. Like I think in England, uh, they have well, one nurse, one patient. But we had to take care of sometimes of four intubated and sedated patients. And if one of the four was unstable uh, and and really needed a lot of attention. You 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 was pretty much running around like a chicken, yeah, and and that was it was it was a battlefield really. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. And then also, you know, we had a good professor though, but he knew he always said, okay, then we're gonna close one box. We cannot do that when you're understaffed. And I see, you know, you you're just grinding it down, but. Then we had new machineries and this new machine. Then we did ECMO therapy and external lung systems and all that, you know, which was which was weighing so heavy on us. And normally then we said, okay, if we have one patient who has an external lung system, this is a one-on-one case. It never was. Okay, but I see you can handle this pe- this person and maybe another one, an easy one, you know. And so we did. We had to. <laughs> it was, it was, it was so stressful. I I realized, you know, when I I always tried to help my colleagues when they said, "Moni, can you help me? I have to, you know, change them or what?" Okay, I'm there. If I was calling, <laughs> hello, nobody was there. So, uh, yeah, yeah so, so you do. Everybody's on yeah, pause. So we had no pause. We were inhaling our uh and our bun. <laughs> Why? Why going to the toilet also? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so of course I had to do a, a lot of labor work on my own, and um, that was that was not not good for for my health. And then I worked on that ICU where we had almost just um, obese patients. Yeah, and we are talking about two hundred fifty kilo and up. I don't know how that is in the, in. That's 400 plus yeah. pounds. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of yeah. meat. And that was... That, to have to move that around. Was a, that was the hardest. <laughs> so, And it has to mm-hmm. get done. And you were... Um, you got into it for... 
the right reasons. You had you had a heart for it. You had you had the compassion. Mm-hmm. You had that that um, that love for wanting to help people and to be mm-hmm. of service to people that were in need. But um, throughout the years, I guess little by little, because also it, it came to a point where you. Um, it was almost like enough was enough, right? I mean, some mm-hmm. people feel like this is that they either feel trapped in a career, mm-hmm. especially considering how much time you put into it, how much schooling you had to do, mm-hmm. how much that dedication it was to be where you're at and to, to get the credentials to where you can work in the ICU unit and mm-hmm. you can have the career that you always wanted. And and for some, that's that it's kind of hard for them to let it all go and start mm-hmm. anew but yeah. for you it, it it finally um there was a point there was a point in your life where you you made a decision to pull away from it huh to hang up yeah. the scrubs yeah but that that was that was really not not an easy decision though because when i started on the ICU, i had a hard start because they thought they just see me you know oh there's this this young sweet and beautiful looking blondie who probably just looks good but knows nothing and that's how she's it, an airhead yeah and th- and that's how it was you know i started there and i seen an artery where i could take a blood sample and i was like what is this you know i really started from scratch but i did it i really studied hard and i made it to one of the top-notch nurses i went to schoolings and schoolings and schoolings and schoolings and i did a pretty good job but like you said it was it was i i worked this full-time job plus i had a side job why because i never made enough money on icu with three shifts just to put one out when i started what with how much I went home. On my paycheck was written 1,400 or 1,500 euros for that labor work. In other countries, they, they, ma- they make the, the double. And I worked like 180 hours in a month. Three shifts uh, and doing really labor work. And sometimes 12 days a week. And Yeah. Or not sometimes, but that was often. Yeah, that was that was very often. And then I had a side job. Sometimes beside the morning shift, I went to an elderly home to work a late shift. Because I, I thought, like, I want to travel. I want to go somewhere with my child, right? And so I had to do that. Yeah, and it was it was wearing me thin, and I started, or I started realizing, like, damn, my 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 back hurts. I always had issues since a child you know that my that i always had back pain i went to the doctor several times they always told me i'm too young to have this pain there is nothing do you have uh, whatever are you sad i said no i have just this tremendous pain in my back oh well then they put me on medication sometimes i was popping the pills like it's nothing like candy so i could function i go to work and then they put me on tilidine and that that was the opioid and then i was like damn wait a minute you know this is not not correct i had to have to take it so i can somewhat sleep maybe four hours or what and then to go to work and i realized it was it was still getting worse and then a doctor of me she noticed that i had a weekend 
everything was falling out of my hand, that I always had stiff necks. And she was the one. She said, Monique, we have to get you in a, in a skin, though. Something isn't right. And that's what we did. And that was when... I, when I bought her the pictures, our, our neurosurgeons came out of the OR and she said, here, have a look. Uh, and then they were looking at my pictures and they, said, <laughs> they were saying like, uh, what is this? 85-year-old man? What, what should, should we do? This is worn out. And she said, no, this is here. This is from Monique. And I was not, I was maybe 26 or so. And they were looking like, damn, you, you. This is this is not good, and I said, "What is not good?" I they always say I have nothing. They say you you have a lot going on here, so they they, they even they were telling you that it was psych- psychological at one point. They, huh? Yeah, they they always t- ask me, "Are you sad? Do you have mental problems?" And I say, "I'm I'm 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 pretty good. You know, I have no mental problems. I just have pain." Yeah. And uh, and they, and and those neurosurgeons they were seeing where where that came from and. And they tried to help me. And then they said, do you take medicine? And I said, well, they put me on Tildeen, but I don't want to take it no more. So I reduced it and I'm not taking nothing. And they said, how do you, how do you function? So, uh, yeah, that was that whole odyssey. And then they, they said, okay, if you feel something goes worse, and that was with my neck, yeah. If something feels different, always come. And that's what I did. And uh, they knew when I came, they knew something really changed. They always put me in a scan and then they see you was right, Monique, you know, and it was always getting to a a worse Mm -hmm. point, but still where they didn't want to do surgery because I was so young, they told me not to ride a roller coaster, not to do this, that, and the other things uh, because, you know. Yeah. yeah, you got to be very careful. No yeah. skating, no anything that can cut you. Yeah, can but I did all fall. that. <laughs> it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You only yeah, live and, once. And, yeah, and, and that was, and I learned to, to just to just deal with it. Yeah. With that kind of pain, I'm talking about the pain. And, and you know, when I'm, when I'm over here and I, and I I bang my fingers sometimes. I'm 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 uh I'm throwing a scene, and you have the tolerance, the pain tolerance of I don't even I don't know a rhinoceros <laughs> or something, yeah. Godzilla. Nah. But that was at 26, and you continued to work. Oh, yeah. You were still oh, working yeah. in ICU. I was still working in ICU. Yeah. When they said and looked mm-hmm. at your, they looked at these these uh, at yeah. first. Them looking at this, these mm-hmm. scans, these CAT scans and X-rays, thinking this is an eighty-five-year-old mm-hmm. man. Yeah. It's a twenty-six-year-old mm-hmm. woman, and you're still working in the ICU. Right, I worked even harder, and then that that, but that led me also to um, question our medicine. You know, so I was like, okay, they put me on tilidine, nothing really changed. My my brain got fuzzy, but. But the pain was there. So what is it doing? It's really doing nothing. And then, you know, I just had a lot of questions on my mind, even on ICU. And then I started more reading about um, homeopathic ways, you know, are there treatments which are maybe useful for me? And so I found out a, a, a few 
good things and also for my patients. So I did uh, extra schooling for um, essential oils in human medicine. And I started to implement that in on, on my station, even when the nurse, uh, when the doctors were laughing at, at me, you know, when someone had a high mm-hmm. fever and the medication was not working, I was like, okay, then I'm going to wash them with peppermint or, or, uh, um, with sage when they had a lot of salvia going all, you know, and then they were always like, yeah. what did you do? And, and then I told him, I said, you can laugh about me, but this is what I do. And then finally, after, a long time it got respected and we made it to a point that that was a kind of standard we we were working with you know that we all started washing with essential oils when they had fever we had the few changed the game somewhat <laughs> yeah at least i mm-hmm. mean it like sometimes they say if you you can complain about something and then just but but go along with it. But you went ahead, even though you maybe if you would have announced it to them mm-hmm. and said, this is what I want to do, they probably would have shut it oh, down. Yeah. But then you just go ahead and mm-hmm. do it and see that it's working. And, and now them. they can't. Yeah, they can't do nothing but um, approve of mm-hmm. it. It's like, look, at the proof is in the pudding. I was always... And now they're, they're, they're doing it themselves. Yeah. And you know me. I mean, others don't. But I, I was always and I'm still a little rebellious. <laughs> When it when it comes to that's right, <laughs> I <laughs> maybe that's why we get along so well. Yeah, yeah. and um, that was also um, I I always stood my ground, and it, it was it did it never mattered to me how young I was, or how old the the person was in front of me. Or who he was. If it was my professor and I told him to shut the fuck up and to listen right now to me, what I have to mm-hmm. say, I said it that way. And then, that's right. And, 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 and I did that because I do remember I got very frustrated. And that was the first time in my whole career where I really thought like, this is it. I don't want to do this no more. If, if my work is not respected because, you know, we as nurses, our tool is our vision and our senses. We we sometimes come into the room and we sense like, mm, this is like a raw eggs. Maybe something is boiling right here. Maybe something is, you know, we just have that gut feeling. And um, we use our senses, our eyes, you know, we, we look at the patients. We are there with them eight hours close you know we can we can see we can smell we can sense the situations out so good and if this tool is underrated or underestimated and not heard and respected by a doctor i was like okay what am i doing here why am i here and that's what i what i told my professor because we had that one very young patient and he was in my opinion in a lock-in syndrome he was reacting all that shenanigans. And I told this to my doctor, please put him in a scan again. They said, oh, he's, he's, you know, a vegetable, brain death. And the way they talked, I said, can you please stop talking in front of this patient like that? He is listening. He can hear you 100% clear. Even he cannot move his toe. Even he just maybe slightly can blink. I'm I'm sure he's in a lock-in syndrome. They were n- they told me I'm I'm too involved in this case. What I'm is too- it? Lock-in syndrome. 
lock and he had a re reanimation like a CPR going on in front and this is what can happen um, afterwards when they say like um, their brain the brain didn't have enough oxygen yeah and he's kind of like brain dead or a vegetable you know he's he's not waking up correctly he's not uh, having reflexes as normal and so, so they're speaking any old way because they're in their minds are thinking he can't hear us anyways yeah mm -hmm. but he could he was he, he he could he did i did the yes and no thing with one blink and two blinks and when uh, i put him his earphones on and he could hear his little daughter talking to him he was crying but even if if that was the case it's like it, it's just the respect of this is still a person right here yeah right and, even and if he can't hear you or nothing like that like come on now let's speak let's speak about this is and a human being yeah, and that's a sad truth. It's not like that. So what happened with, you were talking about because of, uh, so. Yeah, because I told them, you know, I think he's showing reaction. And they said, Mo, this is, you're too involved. I said, maybe, can it be that he is maybe in a lock-in syndrome? He maybe cannot move nothing, but I see he is reacting. His hairs are standing up when I wash him. When I talk to him, he, he's crying. He's, you know, he can blink with, ah, no. And then. They were like, you know, just brushing it off. And that pissed me off. And I, and I took all the papers from him, <laughs> threw it on the floor, and, and got into the face of my professor. And my professor was almost two meters high. And I said, you know what? I, I, if you don't respect me and, and what, what I see and what I tell you, what does it do if we just put him in a skin and check him again? What, what does it do to you? I said, just respect my word. And if you don't do it, you know, I feel like I have a, I have a bad stomach ache right now. And I think I have to go home. And they said, you cannot go home. I said, no, but I think I, I, had, I get diarrhea right now. <laughs> and I left the station. Mm. I was like, if I don't go out of this situation right now. Yeah. I, I could. I, and I said, my word is not, you don't hear my word. So what am I doing here? I can go. And that's what I showed them. And I left. And the next day, my professor, he came to me and he said that he want to have, have a talk with me. I thought like, shit, this is it now. <laughs> and he shut the door and, and he sat down with me and he said, Monique, I have to apologize. And I said, hmm? And he said, I have to apologize. I said, why? I said, yesterday, everything was fine for you. He said, yeah, but you was, you was totally right. He said, I have to respect you because without you, this station would not function. And he said, I listen to you. I hear to, I hear your word and we're going to put him in a scan. And what was shown that he was in a lock-in syndrome. And I said, never, ever disrespect a word of a nurse. And never, ever don't hear what a nurse has to say to you. And But he was, he was cool, you know. He was... He was really uh, mm -hmm. thinking probably his action to a uh, other, uh, other professor yeah, probably would say like, oh my God, who's this nurse, you know? But yeah, I stood my ground. I, I knew that I can mm -hmm. go there and probably they would say, we're going to fire you for that action. But I was like, I don't give a fuck. I, I can, I can find a job around the corner everywhere. <laughs> yeah.
Well, that wasn't even the first time. I mean, you, you can you can go on for days about oh, all the times God. that the nurse, the not the nurses, well, probably the nurses too, but the doctors they would undermine your. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they would pretty much they opinion. they wouldn't respect oh, your opinion, you. your professional opinion, because mm-hmm. it's not like you're just Joe mm-hmm. Schmo off the street. You you went to school. You know what you're mm-hmm. doing. You've been involved and experienced mm-hmm. in it for quite some time. But sometimes they still look down at at what you're saying or who's oh, saying yeah. it and they don't take your words as meaning anything and sometimes because of that patients they don't make it yeah that's right and we we, we are you know we we have to sh- shut our mouth this we see so many things go wrong i don't want to put no fear out but we we have to just be quiet if we wanted to have a talk to ethic commission or what no, that was all brushed off. We had to hush, hush, and and be quiet about it. That we some sometimes we were we were crying together. We nurses, you know, we were crying together. We we tried to figure a situation out, talking to each other, so we we could go home with yeah lighter shoulders. But that was that was us. We never had counseling. Even yeah. they have to give you in certain situations that was not the case and on the other end sometimes you you think like all all these nurses they they function so good together and this is like a super community on the stations and they work together it's one uh -uh. Mm -hmm. it's one big family this is this is not the case (laughs) a a lot of times uh, this is not the case you are a a player on your own As, as weird as it sounds I always loved, you know, when someone knew knew a lot of things. I was listening. I knew I could go there, and and that was an effort for me too, you know, to learn and to have someone. But some, they found that, oh, you know, she's she's miss. I I know it all. Or I see she's she's the the preferred nurse to. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of. Uh, some feel threatened by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why you you get pretty lonely, also, yeah. So it was that one that one incident with the young man. It was after that that you started to have different feelings about if you uh, want to continue, oh, yeah. um, continue mm-hmm. on that path. Yeah, then I changed. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, my health, and then I I tried to go into the OR in that one clinic, and I applied for it. They had open positions, and then I said, yeah, you can do that. And then uh, they said, oh, no, you cannot do that because you're understaffed on ICU, so we cannot let you go. And I said, all right, is there a, like a light at the end of the tunnel like maybe it's, uh, is it in a few weeks or m- yeah in three months all right so i struggled through my three months and then i applied again or said hello can i can i now switch to the or because you know my condition is not not so good i still want to work but this heavy labor work is really not doing me good no and that that was three times where they denied me in that one clinic they always told me yes and then no yes and and then i said okay i'm i'm not your clown in this circus no more i i i just go you know and then i went into another clinic and yeah it was always labor work. Yeah. It, it, it never worked out. And I couldn't, couldn't, I was not ready to accept it. And I was not ready even after my first um, 
spinal fusion. You know it. I was not ready to accept it. I still worked intensive mm -hmm. care. And, and, and it took me a very long time till this year I had no other chance to. I was a nurse by heart. Still am. I still do, do miss it, but also I'm, I am happy now. And I see the benefits that I, I don't have to do that because the other time where I wanted to hang my scrub on was when the, uh, can I say that word? Corona? <laughs> when the, yeah, why when the not? Corolli, when the Corolli Yeah, hit. the Corolli. <laughs> we call it the Corolli. Yeah, that no. was, that, that. wait, that pretty much was the the last push, that wasn't was, it? That was, that was my last push, yeah. That was when But I, I mean, the, they pretty much forced your hand. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because or they I tried to. Yeah, because I was one of the nurses that wanted to get the vaccine because we seen and heard and uh, what went wrong <laughs> and what, what what could happen. And I said, all right, I, I don't do that. They never asked me uh, in, in in all my years if if I'm vaccinated or if I need a new vaccine. Maybe, maybe in fall they say, you know, we have the flu uh, vaccine. Does anyone... Uh, what the flu vaccine? Nobody ever said yes, and and that was quite okay. And then and then they forced it on me that I ha had to get that corona vaccine. Where I said like, I, I I have all that security you want me to. You know, I'm 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 wearing all the the gear. And what is this? And and that that just was not sitting right with me. And I said, all right, I've seen it all, I've done it all, and I learned a difference. So. And I don't, I don't want to be part of that. That that After was after twenty three years. Yeah, they told me. They told me that the they gave you a deadline, didn't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Gesundheitsamt, the health office, they they wrote the letter that they um, that I'm not able to uh, put one foot in when I am unvaccinated. And I was like, all right, I never heard of them before, but if, if they have to say so and not my my boss, then I know what I have to do. All and of the time <laughs> that you put in, all of the years of getting yeah. your, your your school updates and your credentials up to and how par often, and learning the new often, equipment. Yeah. And how often we as nurses from ICU, from uh, the, the emergency rooms, how often we have contact with infections and diseases. We don't even have an idea of when the people come in. You have AIDS patients. Yeah, you have everything. Yeah, we have everything. open tuberculosis patients where we're like afterwards like, oh, they have an open tuberculosis who had contact money. They yeah. didn't care you? about your health. <laughs> they didn't care about if you were going to be okay or if you, you, uh, you, um, no. anything was transmitted. No, we 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 had we had our colleagues to intubate because she 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 got infected by the open tuberculosis. No, nobody knew her before. All that you even had a you even had a colleague who who uh, contracted AIDS at yeah. work, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot going yeah, and, on. And how often how often we had to intubate people because they were. Uh, short on breath and 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 very unstable and what and whatnot and then afterward to find out oh they had had the H one you know and, and all these kind of flus which we, we had these last years H1N1 mm -hmm. what is H, that H one N two I don't know if that is in English H1N1 I think yeah H1N1. Mm -hmm. and we had the SARS 
Yeah, we had the mm-hmm. now it's called sauce. You worked two. through all of that. We had the sauce one, and that was a that was a, a pr- pretty hard time. But and we had to fly out patients all the time to other clinics, in closed beds, or when AHEC was that was a Sharia Koli short outbreak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen it all. You worked through all that, and they weren't really too concerned no, about how no. protected we you never, were. We never how... were forced to, you know, you have to wear this mask or what. We, we just did it because out of our own, because we never knew what the patient is, is bringing. And FFP2, right, yeah. that was the, the lowest mask, you know, when we when we thought like they can have maybe a tuberculosis or what we, we were wearing the hardcore ones, those we, Big photos. Yeah, you guys were like, you guys were dressed yeah. up like you're going to. And then, the, and then I the seen moon. all these these nurses taking pictures. That was, as a really, that was weird to me. They were all taking pictures with their masks and goggles and all that nonsense on. Like, and I was thinking, like, why do they do that? This is nothing really so special. <laughs> what is this? Uh, and then how? Oh, the, you, you you mean because you've already been, because we, you, that's it's normal. the normal thing, you know? That, yeah. When there's someone in isolation, <laughs> and then how the rubber is is uh, pinching into your skin, and that's how 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 I looked after a eight hour shift, mm. and that, that was, was all part of the that show. That was my well, that that was that was the, the a normal shift, and that was my kind of work here. And then for for whatever reason, everybody took the pictures. Like, look how I I look now. I go into an isolation uh, room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably get a lot of shit storm maybe here. <laughs> it was almost uh, how do you put? How, how would not a blessing in disguise? But I mean, because your health was already broken because of all of the years of you working in ICU and you were going hard, you were going a thousand percent every day, never mind the toll that it was Mm -hmm. taking on your body, but it was like, this is what you, that that's what you were. This is what you love to do. This is who you, who you are. I mean, even to this, it's not gonna, it it doesn't leave you. You're still a nurse by heart. You still like, like I Mm -hmm. said, even after you've been away from an ICU unit, you were still making you're Whenever. still making home visits to people that are um, disabled, amputees, mm-hmm. everything. And, and mm-hmm. you're still just out of the love and the goodness of your heart. <laughs> and, and that's what you that's where you find your, your joy and meaning is is to yeah. to involve yourself with that. And so there's still people to this day that are in your life that you met that you you've given a hand in that kind of way. But mm-hmm. it was because of that slip, that mm-hmm. notice that deadline that you were like, well, then there mm-hmm. was, so there was never yeah. any, let me think about it because I've already given them 20 year, 23 years of my life. Mm-hmm. You just, in your mind, you were like, well, then I guess I'm going to start looking for work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Here and there, you know, that, that came up, but I was always thinking when you work there, you always self-doubt yourself. Like, I cannot do anything else. This you is what think, I know. Like, this is what I know. That's false, people. That's really false. <laughs> and then and then on top of that, how would you feel like you've already given you've already given twenty three years of your life into something and then you and then you're becoming of age. You're you're a yeah. middle aged woman now. And it's like, oh, yeah. so I'm supposed to learn something new? <laughs> Some people feel like why would I throw it all away? Yeah. 
and I started studying on my own. I did my um, psychological counselor. I did my naturopath and my and did my naturopath and psychotherapy for for my own reason that I can speak to my patients and help the families, you know, in a nice way to talk with them and to help them also to the tr- uh, traumas they had to go through. So it's it's never too late to study, to learn something. And yeah, with my last surgery, I had to to go out of the job because now I'm I'm unable <laughs> unable to to work this labor work. Yeah. Well, the first one, let's talk how did that one come come about? Like it it just got to the point where the pain was unbearable, right? Because you were you were dealing with this pain for so long, it pretty much yeah. was just it's a party. I mean, even to this day, it's mm-hmm. you wake up in the morning. I see you um, it, throughout the day. The pain is there and it's the discomfort is there. It's something that you just have learned to live with. But my goodness, like with the, the first surgery was the spinal mm-hmm. fusion. Yeah, that was my lower back fusion where I you know, barely could walk. <laughs> Yeah, and then they did the did a did a blood sample because they were wanted to check if I have uh, um, some maybe genetically uh, if there is something wrong, and then there was one blood marker where they called me and said, "How are you doing? Where are you?" And I said, uh, "Excuse me, I'm at work." And they said, "Ah, oh, you better go home," you know. And I said, "Why?" Yeah, because uh, this uh, this one sample is so high. This is not good. And did you do sport? And I said, "No." And you know. And then they said, "You have to uh, drink now eight eight liters mm-hmm. and <laughs> to flush your kidneys because, oh my God, that and and that was like something is wrong. And then then the doctor, they put me in a scan and then they seen that something was way wrong and I had to have the surgery, but then the Corona was, then they had to put me a, a month later. And uh, yeah, finally it was. And throughout the surgery, they had to take pictures because they never seen a fire red nerve. Like I had, what was the levels that like a normal level and were your levels rat? Um, I was as a, de- CK is in, in, is normally for a woman like 130, and I was on 11,000. <laughs> 11? Now, I don't even know what that means, but just if you compare from 100 to 11,000. I said, this is wrong. I said, this cannot be. A, and we had a laying trauma. I said, someone maybe fell in our apartment and and was laying there for two, three days, yeah, and couldn't move till they got found. They have a sample I seen like high as the highest was six thousand, and they were in bad shape. And I had eleven. And you're still walking around. You're working. Yeah. You're cooking. You're doing mm-hmm. who? No, yeah, hula hoop. Nee, nee, nee. I didn't hula hoop. Oh, that's then. right. I could not. <laughs> that guy that came out. Yeah, I bought me a stick, and and all that. Yeah, I got to the point where mm-hmm. it was that extreme, but. We're talking about, okay, now you're already, how many years later of this where you would bring it to people's attention? They didn't want to x-ray you when they did. They Like, I remember just how many, since we've known each other and just how fed up and frustrated, it's like, why, what's the point then? (laughs) But it finally Mm -hmm. got to the point where they, now they're like, wait a minute, okay, you need to drink some water, leave Mm -hmm. your job, come here, something isn't right. And then something isn't right, yeah. 
because I, I mean, also my if if you remember, I started shaking and 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 the leg was shaking, yeah. and then they had to even tested me on MS, and I was like, damn, I just have pain. It's, it, it feels like something is eating me up alive. Is something with my nerves or well? And then they finally seen that there was a totally instability in my lower spine, and then they had to fuse that, and that's that was that. And how long was that surgery again? That was just four hours. Just four hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, around four hours, three and a half or something. And it was spinal yeah. fusion. That was the lower back. What was the doctor saying after the surgery, like as far as the recovery goes and how long you should expect to? Oh, well, they were pretty pretty good. I could stand up in the evening, though, and walk around, and, and, and it already felt better. But then the next day, you couldn't visit me because of the corona. That was another shitty thing. And then the other day, I felt nerve pain. This is really very ugly. <laughs> so my, my legs were like, burning inside and they knew that that's always a sign of swelling and so they had to give me high cortisone after that that was fine but I had my blown up moon face <laughs> and uh, yeah I think after five mm -hmm. days I came home and, and recovered pretty fast and they don't even want to send me in a rehabilitation center you had the walk already for me here and that's from from there on I started you know came home rested i was always tired 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 all the people who had uh some surgeries on their spine they know what i'm talking about because after that you're always tired tired and you want to sleep yeah and and i recovered pretty fast and even started working uh in uh, with intensive care patients <laughs> yeah yeah you were but you were determined you were determined. Yeah. You were laying. You were laying down. You were tired, but we would walk around the block. We'd we'd mm. walk around the block, and it got to the point like we're gonna take our route and go to the woods, and we're gonna walk through the woods now. And we doing what we mm -hmm. could, and little by little. Mm -hmm. And then I remember coming home, and then you you were already cooking again, and it's like you can't mm -hmm. can't keep this yeah. one down. The recovery from that one was pretty pretty good and for me easier what i can compare now to that other uh fusion from the neck that was that one was kicking my ass <laughs> okay so that was that was the spinal fusion i mean that was no walking apart because yeah. it that's it, it was a very sent that's a sensitive area and there's a lot of things that could have mm -hmm. went wrong but thankfully mm -hmm. um the the surgery was a success yeah. And you were able to uh, get back home sooner than mm -hmm. later and then work on your recovery. And and then how long until this next one came up? Oh, I thought now now I'm good. Now I'm, you know, on top of life. Yeah. And it was, yeah, one and a half years later. I was laying uh, in the OR again. Yeah. Now it's almost a year ago. But how, how did that one come up again? Because that's my neck issue, what I always had. And I felt like, hmm, I have pain and something feels different. And so when when I had that feeling, you know, I went to my doctor and say, here, I have more pain than usual. It feels a little funny to me. Can they immediately say, okay, we're going to do a scan. And then we did that scan and I went back and, and then he was looking at the pictures and he was... 
he was uh, <laughs> sitting there with big eyes and uh, his hands on, on his head. And he was like, Monique, this is not good. And I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, we, 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 we did that now for a lot of years. And you was always right when you came here uh, that something is wrong. And, and, but now it is so wrong that we can. Can I leave it that way? You have to go through surgery finally. And I said, all right, and what does that mean? Because I could feel, you know, sometimes my right leg was slurring or I was, I started stumbling even more than usual. I always had mm -hmm. numb fingers, arms, and, and all that shenanigans, or my chin was getting numb. Yeah, and then he said, I said, all right, then then you're going to do that. And he said, no, I cannot do that. And I said, why? You, you know, you, you're my profession. He said, yeah, but this is a too big of a surgery. I don't have the tools, and, and I, I'm not good at that. You have to go to another doctor I know. And I said, uh, to, can I say the name? Yeah, you can say the name. To the, to uh, Dr. Dierlach. And I said, well, I know him from, from the clinic because I worked with him shortly. And I knew he's an absolute uh, hero in, in, in what he's doing. So I made an appointment and brought my pictures and he looked at it and he said, oh, my Lord. He said, Monique, this really looks because I was at, at his uh, office also no? before. And he said, this, this got worse. And he said, damn. And I said, what? He said, I, I, I need a few days. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, definitely we have to do a surgery, Monique, but give me a few days. I have to speak that with the professor, how we do it. And because of what it seems like, we have to fuse you from C1 down to C7, which means like my whole neck spine would be fused. So I waited and then he called me back in and then he said, all right, so... What we're going to do is we don't fuse you from C1 to C7. But what we have to do is we're going to fuse you from C3. as a, Those are the bones, right? From C3 down to C6. And the one bone, C5, we have to remove. And I said, what? You have to remove this? And he said, yeah, we have to, to put you like a, another, like a bone implant in. And I said, shit, that sounds tricky. And he said, and that sure is. He said, this is no walk in the park. But he said, damn, I don't want to fuse you from, you know, the whole spine. He said, then, I mean, I'm stiff. My neck is already stiff. I can really not rotate it to, yeah. the, to the right side. I'm not really good to the left side. Even the left side is always a little bit better. But then I would, would not be able to. And I said, all right, then, then do that. So, yeah, then I had my appointment, and, and we did that, and that was like a, seven hours or what? Right about that. It was, what, a couple of days before the new year? Yeah, on the 29th mm -hmm. <laughs> of December. And at least this time around, I was able to visit you. Oh, yeah, that was that was my my light. <laughs> you was my light, <laughs> my, my visit. But it was, it, what was it, eight hours? Yeah, around seven hours or so, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was a hard one, <laughs> and then after I woke up, Man. I I was pretty stoned, you know. They 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 drug you pretty good, so I woke up with a cut theater and all that. 
shenanigan. Next day, yeah. I was able to walk somewhat. We don't speak about uh, care in the hospital because that was more than bad. <laughs> that should be enough to that. Yeah. And <laughs> but well, I, I made it. The yeah. worst thing for me was that I felt like, what is up with my left the my left arm? Then when when he came to visit me, I said. Did I had a stroke? And he, he looked at me, he said, why? I said, look, I cannot even lift my left arm right. It, I can lift it for a few seconds and it's falling down. I don't feel it. I said, what the heck is... He said, no, you don't have had a stroke. This can happen due to, you know, when they manipulate that C5 bone and the nerves and what, they're connected to the left arm. And I said, is that going away? And he said, yeah. It will recover. And then my voice was going away. That's right. And then I said, what is with my voice? Oh, yeah, you, you sound a little harsh. That's also normal. That will go away. Yeah, but it never went away. <laughs> to this day, so, you have to work on it. Yeah, even I sound nice. Yeah, that's that's just with my logopedic uh, therapy. Well, that was a uh, work. You had to work at it. You had you took some therapy for it because yeah. if you were to just mm-hmm. how was it put? You just relax your your muscles and everything. You would be sounding a different way. Oh yeah, then I sound like that. <laughs> Maybe that that would be uh, for me very relaxing to talk like that. So now, I, but I cannot do that. <laughs> People probably think, like, oh, my God. And you're always, that's always something yeah. that you you have to consciously yeah. work at so you can sound like you once did. Just like I once did or equal to. I can hear that I'm, I don't sound that like I did. But do, also, you helped me so much. I can really give a big shout out to my hubby. He had to shower me and he, he, he had to see me crying because I was so frustrated. I couldn't wash my hair alone. My arm was falling down. You, ha- you, you done did it all. And, and, and you, you supported me in all kinds of ways. So do through you, I've recovered so good with your support and sh- I mean, it, I, 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 that was a hard thing to see you that way. How and and I could only, only imagine. I couldn't. I well, in a way, I could. I could feel it. You know, I I felt the the pain, the struggle, the the hurt, the frustration, but mm-hmm. nothing like what yeah. you have been going through for so long. Pretty much, damn mm-hmm. near your whole life with the pain, the discomfort, and then after the surgery and. And then, I mean, you were still, you know, you made an effort. You would try. You have that as much as you say you don't, but that fighting spirit Mm -hmm. where nothing is going to keep you down. It might knock you down, might break you up a little Mm -hmm. bit, but you're going to figure out how to put the pieces back together. And so when you were struggling or trying to um, clean yourself or or just do do for yourself and it wasn't working out, Mm -hmm. but... What were you what were you doing? And that's what the show was all about. It's about taking back and reclaiming whatever it was. At one point you lost, you felt that slipped away from you, but you were still working on even though you said like look at these are look at these silly exercises. This is for you know, this is for somebody who's already 
up in age and here I am, a young woman having to do this just so you can try to get the motion back in your arm when when you when it was gone and it was going limp. You weren't even able to raise your arm over your head, let alone wash yourself. But little mm-hmm. by little, you kept yeah. exercising, working those muscles and... Shout out to Bad Homburg. <laughs> and then that's also that's also a good thing about here in Germany yeah. that they actually approved you to go to a rehab oh, yeah. center after oh, yeah. the this last surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took two surgeries. <laughs> yeah. And I said, okay, I think you need it now. Yeah. I, I I don't think it was a psychological thing. <laughs> well, we don't think it so. wasn't your imagination. <laughs> you actually, yeah, you, you mm-hmm. were right. Yeah. But you were there for how many weeks? Five weeks. That was weeks. five year, uh, five weeks, and and they they even wanted to extend it because I had those neurological uh, problems. As well. I could could have stayed there uh, longer, but it, we went to California. That was my my other <laughs> therapy. therapy. Yeah, over there was really. I had my ups and I had my downs, and my downs were really because I got confrontated from the doctors over there that I really am not allowed to go back to my work field. And I was like, come, maybe I can. They said, don't shoot there. No, I wasn't going to yeah, let you I if, know. even if they would have I was telling you that too. I, I said, I don't know if, you, if you're thinking about it, you, that's, that's not, not even going to be, I I'm going gonna, gonna to go and I'll, I'll go and fire you or tell the <laughs> who's the chef here you know what my wife can't work here that that was even even then i was like maybe i find they said you're gonna find a way somewhere else and then you know they came with all that government help and plot and i said you know what i i I will find myself a job i got and that's what i did while i was in the rehabilitation i started applying and and having the interviews lined up and all that so (laughs) But see that that's a that's another thing where some people where they they doubt mm. themselves they feel like um there, there's a lot of things you feel you 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 don't feel sure of stepping out and doing something different you're you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation and stepping out of your comfort mm. zone and for you that was a something to work past but you did eventually stay because you still could have you oh, still yeah. could have. I could could it could it take six time longer or what? But for all the people who are maybe um, having now the question of mine, what is she doing now? I'm working in a physical therapy, and I'm I'm doing the appointments. That's about that. But I still have beautiful patients who come every day to visit. Uh, it's a very nice energy over there. And still, because they know I'm a nurse, they come with all these questions. What can I do? And so that's that's the... You're forever a nurse. I'm forever a nurse, always will be. <laughs> and another thing that is something that mm-hmm. is rare... And there's people that when they hear it, they're like, oh, my goodness, no. But you don't take any pain medication. No, 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 no payments. <laughs> That's not, not not my cup of tea. Just when they had you, when, when they had you on them, when mm-hmm. you were in the hospital, but you already were, were trying to mm-hmm. wean yourself off it, or they were actually trying to give you more than um, you thought was, was right for them to give you, right? Yeah, I said you can dope me out with opiates pretty good after the surgery and through the night next day just easy, 
easy. And then I just took ibuprofen and uh, and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but how were you able to do it without pain medication? It's just because I know my body and I dealt with the pain all these years. So I have a different tolerance and I see pain also a little different. It's not... It's, of course, an uncomfortable feeling, but it's also giving me signs of something isn't right or something is, is getting a little worse. I couldn't, my doctor said I can put my hand in the fire when you sit here and you say something gotten worse or it feels different. I know it is so because you have a good body feeling and this is why I don't suppress it with, or that's the reason, you know, why I have it because I'm not suppressing it with pain medication. I accepted it. It's my little alarm system I have. If I suppress it, how can how can I know what my body want to tell me? So, yeah. That that's what is key right there. Most I don't want, I don't even want to say most people, mm -hmm. but I think it's important that we get back in touch and in tune with our own bodies and not not to say that there's no mm -hmm. place for it, but not to be relying on a gadget, not mm -hmm. to be relying on a pill to tell you Well, oh, your your uh, your blood level is high now, or mm. this is. I mean, get back yeah. in touch with your, get back in tune with yourself. Mm -hmm. Listen to your body. Your body is 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 very capable yeah, and willing to give you hints and to fire off points and let you know where where something is going oh, yeah. wrong or where something isn't in tune or aligned the way it should be. And, and then, I mean, also it just comes, it just comes with, mm -hmm. we, we have to start taking care of ourselves a bit more and not, and not be so dependent and relying on outside sources. Yeah, but you know, it's, e it's, it's easy to, to take a pill and maybe 20 minutes later you're out of pain or feel somewhat mm -hmm. of relief that I was on, on those opiates and I, and I could feel like hmm, I'm, I'm starting liking that fuzzy feeling, you know, they gave me, they didn't took the pain, like I said before, they just gave made my brain a little fuzzy, heavy, so I could fall asleep. And, and that's why I do get how people like to take and numb their, their brains, you know. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a bad feeling, not at all. I, I liked it. And I could see that my body wanted it, you know, that I started shivering when I was not taking one in the evening and that was like where I said oh hell no this mm. is this is nothing I want and that's what I always open communicate because I know I had addiction to it I was not you know strung out or what but I could feel my body was was showing me Craving you know it. yeah so I always had an open communication with with my doctors I said I don't want to be on opiates for a long time just what i have to if it's overnight after surgery or maybe a day i don't take these pills home with me and so that that always worked out mm -hmm. and i stuck to that <laughs> and you stuck to that mm -hmm. that's a feat in itself because it seems like um especially when it comes to yeah. people when they come off of <laughs> surgeries and everything like that you always hear of people that they had no kind of, if they didn't have an addiction before, after surgery, that's when, that's where they picked it up and found one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they put you on the meds, not telling you that how to handle it at home, then they take maybe one more and then, yeah. 
it's not that I, I'm I'm not under pain. No? You, I mean, like you say, you see me. I I stand up. That's as a, a daily thing. So people can imagine I stand up really like an old old granny so, until I I have to walk myself in. <laughs> so the pain is somewhat okay. I think the mattress now, at, at least the mattress yeah. is a little better. Mm-hmm. That that foam memory mattress yeah. that that helps, but yeah, it's still, um, yeah. yeah <laughs> if if people can mm. picture someone struggling to get out of bed, but she pops out, she still you still get out of bed quicker than me when it comes to the to, when the alarm goes off because the alarm goes off and then I'm over here like ah uh, just it seems mm-hmm. like you can just hop up and even if you say it's slower. Yeah. The average bear, but you still pop up and it's time yeah. to get ready to oh, go yeah. to work. It's not like, uh, or or also mm-hmm. like me, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll set the, it goes off and why do I set it <laughs> another 10 minutes later? Like 10 minutes is going to matter. Me sleeping 10 minutes longer. <laughs> and it's just messing with you because you're trying yeah. to sleep and you, you got to hear, you gotta hear yeah. the alarm again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just put a, a a song that you like, so at least you get to hear a song uh-huh. that you like when it's every time it goes. <laughs> Not always on repeat. Always, always from the beginning. That's boring too, though, <laughs> because it will always start over and over again at the beginning. <laughs> um, Lord only knows the pain that you go through on a daily basis. Working, you still picked up things that you enjoy doing that has helped you you still always have a creative outlet you're doing hula hoop you do the sun um you've learned how to do the uh, sound bath crocane painting steins stones um you even at one time with the whole uh the suction cups a lot of things that are alternative ways for uh, recovery for wellness to um, get your body right get your mind right and yeah you you always have something that you're you're involved with or doing you have to surround yourself yeah you have to surround yourself with with positivity and things you you like you you can enjoy you can dive into distract maybe your mind from let's not forget gardening oh yeah distract uh, your mind from maybe if you're in pain that's what what helps me if I dive into something beautiful if it's like the sounds of uh, sound bathing if I can give you a sound bath or if it's painting rocks and I, I you know I'm just focusing on that or gardening even I you know it's it's harder for me now to do that bending down and all that but yeah digging your hands in soil if you like it I like it, and and that's why I can and can be in tune with me, with uh, Mother Nature, and I forget about everything what is, what is happening around me, and also the pain, or you know, or if I had a stressful day, just I just forget mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, that I think that's yeah. a good takeaway point is because despite all of that, the. The surgeries, mm-hmm. the recovery process, and the pain that you're still dealing with, and and you pretty much just accepted it. That's a part of life. That's the way it's going to be. Yeah. But um, you still you still find ways to enjoy life and do what you can, even though like you're not able to do things like you once were. But oh, like, yeah. from the hula hoop, I mean, you were 
you're doing when you first started out you were struggling with mm-hmm. it but now you're doing some crazy things with it it's like <laughs> you know we're we're almost we're almost mm-hmm. ready to take this show on the road yeah. and, and and put up put up a <laughs> put up a canopy or a, a tent and come on you you're my biggest fan i know that <laughs> yeah i think we're ready to take this show on the road the biggest and the only <laughs> I want an OnlyFans. But, you know, what I also want to say is now that we even spoke about those surgery things and, and what, I, what I've been through the surgery-wise, or still, I, this would be not my uh, topic to talk about <laughs> because I feel like, you know, even I have this issue or the diagnosis and, and all that, I am more than that. I am me, I am Monique, I have this, but this is not making me, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, I have this diagnosis, I have this, this is what I'm suffering for. I want to see that the people see me, yes. you know, me, Monique, and with, with, without all that mm-hmm. nonsense, <laughs> And uh, of course, it's part of me. And if someone knows it or asks me, I, I don't answer those those questions. But it's not that I would put that just out there. And that's yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. And the only reason I say that is because that you know that's pretty much what the show is about. People that are sharing their experience, their journey, their path, and and everything. Not even everything, yeah. but I mean the things that they've had to deal with along the road and and the point is like how you said i'm more than that those did not define who you Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. you still involve yourself with a lot of other things because you have a lot of creative energy and so you you do things just uh, on the spur of a moment when you feel like creating or doing something and and for you that brings joy and, and um that that's something that that lights you up and I'm always happy to see that. I I still feel my my nursing heart beating if someone of my elderly say, "Oh, Monique, I have a wound here. What can I use?" you know? And then I'm all in and I'm like, "Okay, come on, you know." And then I go into my little nurse talk and 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 yeah. To step out of that career and to and to go ahead and pursue something or to make an attempt to try something new and there was a lot of doubt but, but I still have a good contact and I'm, I'm I'm happy just that I that I found this job and this this is a big opportunity also for me you know to to go to work and and go out there I still have have uh, people contact I have nice colleagues and um I appreciate that very much that I had that that chance, you know, they easily could say like, oh my gosh, she has all that. We don't know, maybe she's sick a lot of time or, you know, that they are more worried that I have, that I fall out or what. They they gave me a chance. They 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 sensed me the right way. They, they said, we, we feel like you're such a positive and upbringing person. That's what they told me. And there were other people who applied for that position, but they, they chose me and that made me so happy. <laughs> Yeah, and I say that all the time. I said, I, I thank you for this opportunity. I'm very happy here. And yeah. Yeah, that is true. They, they so. did give you a chance because you were honest with them and upfront in the beginning and told them yeah. your situation. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. 
just so they're not in the dark when they hire you and then something were to come up, God forbid. We're 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 hoping that it's it's going to be a, a longer ride this time around. Oh yeah, I hope that it, this is a a, a, a good, that I have a good break for a longer time now. I I really yeah. hope so. Yeah, but if not, I'm ready for it. So mm-hmm. that's the whole issue <laughs> with just enjoying the moments, trying to appreciate the present, not a dread too much about what what is down the line, but uh, make the making the best of of what we have right now, and then. By trying to trying to embrace it and enjoy it the best we can, that that that'll better prepare us for whatever whatever lies ahead. But we we don't have a crystal ball, and and if I if I do somewhere around here, I know it doesn't work. So <laughs> that's that's all good. That's all good. <laughs> and I I I wanna I wanna I wanna say thank you to you also. Because you are such an amazing person, you are such an amazing husband to me. You are my best friend, and I, without you, I I don't know how I would make it through. But I can tell you, with you, it it made it easy. It was a smooth ride because I I had you, your love. And all the support you gave me, and and that made it so easy, and also so worth it. You know, I know I people say, oh, you have to do it for yourself. Of course, I I I did fight for myself, but hello, there there are more people. You know, I have on mind, and and of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is you. You, you're my husband. I have, I have my son on mind. You know, I. Yeah. I'm I'm fighting for him, and I always did. That's and right. For my parents, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. you was always always there, and I I I want to say thank you. And you do an amazing job with the giants amongst us. I'm so so freaking proud of mm. you. <laughs> oh. How how you how you do that and oh what. Yeah, that means a whole lot. You also see the from from the the first one, like how we're talking about doing, and it was in it's how not you even running like, around like a chicken, so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing. The the doubt, the unsure, like oh, you know what? I think every everybody's doing one. But you you do it unique. If it means something to you, if it's if it's something that uh, moves you in a certain way, then why not go ahead and take a stab at it? Since we're on the we're on the the wave of thanking, <laughs> thank you for everything that you said. I I know you're I know you mean it from the bottom of your heart, and you're like I already said the inspiration behind this. And aside from my my mother, my my biggest hero, mm. and you're the the reason. You know I can say that not that you have a a ruler or a stick over me, and you're smacking me over the head every time I do something wrong, but because of you, I, I'm flying straight. Um, you know, you you keep me in line when when I I need to be, and I I think also that I've I've learned a, a lot through you just by your your patience and everything, and just how to be a a better human being in general from a lot of different things and and a lot of uh, 
struggles that I've had and, and that I've dealt with, you, you've helped me along the way. And, and I think, had it not been for you, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I might have fell back on the wayside again. But yeah, you've been the positive influence in my life, the positive bright light that is in my corner and all the more reason to keep straight and to, to build something that, that'll be worthwhile for both of us. You are amazing. And I find that your your podcast, because you said, you know, when you doubt, hey, everybody has a podcast, you do it unique. To me, this is still, with the music, you always sit there and people listen, really. He sits there after every interview and he's paraphrasing it. He's thinking about every talk and he's scribbling down for every interview the words he want to reminisce and say to them. So who's doing that? Really, as you put so much love and effort to every conversation and how you go over that it sounds nice, that the music is right, that, you know, everything is, to me, with so much love. And that's what I, what I love about your podcast and that you listen to these people, give them a chance to be heard or that they can speak out what they want to speak out. And uh, nothing feels like it's forced, you know, it's always smooth sailing with you, your, your cool, you know, chat partner, you, you, it's just, you just do a great job. So keep it up. <laughs> yeah. And the crowd Ooh. goes wild. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, enough. We let it run. We we can we can okay, keep okay. we can yeah. keep this thing running. We can take it three. We can take it till four in the morning. How much time do you have, ladies and gentlemen? Oh my God, we better. No, I'm <laughs> better. <laughs> that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. That we had this chat. Mm -hmm. We're in the same house, mm -hmm. but we're not in the same room. We we're still having this conversation. You took time, like I said, mm -hmm. out of your day to share some of your life experiences and your twists, turns, jumps, and everything that molded and shaped you into who you are right now. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, as a matter of fact. But some of the fights, some of the struggles and the battles that you had and how you were able to come out on the other side still with your sanity because you still kept your sanity so that was a, a beautiful take that was a beautiful conversation and um if there's anything else before we wrap it up my dear um i would just say life is beautiful no matter what, you can always see something. There will always be something positive, even on very, very cloudy and maybe very, very dark days. And those moments and those positive things, those are the things who carry you and let you move on and forward. Couldn't have said it any better myself <laughs> thank you so much you're welcome till next time peace <laughs>
and, and very, very soon. soon. Still laughing, still joyful. Her smile was still enough to break the clouds and bring out the sun in a dark, cloudy, gloomy day. But how to when life can seem fair, difficult, and doing nothing but beat you up all day long, day in and day out? I mean, what's the bother for her having meaningful relationships? Her son, her parents, doing things that she enjoys, surrounding herself with things that bring joy to her life, things that light her up in the inside. Crocane, painting stones, hula hooping, whatever it is where she's able to express herself freely and not to have that energy bottled up. That's the way Mo flows. And from a very early age, she knew what she wanted to be. That was a nurse. Now she might not be working in an ICU unit, but she's still that angel and beacon of light. She still has that heart to give. There was a mention of a friend of hers who recently passed away, Gets. And this man was bedridden for more than a year. The family had a physical therapist going to the house, but he might as well not even have been there. He was doing next to nothing, if that. Monique comes along. And she'd help with get trying to get back in the swing of things. She'd introduce different movements, motions, exercises so that he could kind of recover some of the muscle loss that happened since he's been bedridden and since the accident that happened in um, the hospital to where he ended up losing one of his legs. Not even one month into her visiting, she was able to help him, help himself get out of bed sit himself on his wheelchair so that they could roll him out into his garden and he could get some fresh air on his face again after being in a room or on a bed for over a year. Within a month, she was able to help him do that. How good it must have felt for him to be able to go out in his garden again. And it didn't just stop in his garden because there was also pictures and times that she would share with me where they took him around the neighborhood. The son's pushing him in the wheelchair and they're rolling him around and he's able to get outside around the neighborhood and enjoy that. Listen to the birds chirp, get out in the open, fresh air. And to be able to experience that again, instead of being stuck in a room or confined to four corners and four walls, the smile he had on his face when she shared those pictures with me and I was able to she brought me over to the house one time and I was able to meet them they a sweet family we had coffee we had cake together and how thankful the family was for her but also how much Monique enjoyed being a part of that family's life and to this day even right now she still keeps in contact with the wife and the son that's just one example I could go on for days This is just who she is. So regardless of her working in the medical field in that sense, there's still relationships and and there's still things that she does outside of that because that's what she enjoys doing. She's a giver with a big heart. And even after the surgeries and having to go through that, how draining it was physically, emotionally, 
from the back to the neck and then being so close together in time. The work towards healing, getting better, getting well, making the effort, doing the exercises, the motions, taking those baby steps again so she's able to enjoy life like she once did. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of, you know, her getting down on herself and and depression and the self-esteem, everything just taking a hit. But she kept at it. And like she said, she's not some condition. She's not a diagnosis. She's not a disability. She's more than that. That's a fact. But I can say what she is, without a doubt, is a giant amongst us. My dear, my Liebling, I want to thank you for sharing your story, for walking us down some of your life's experience, your journey, and taking us through how you navigated through your struggles, your trials, your tribulations, your ups and your downs, and how you managed to come out still enjoying life, still hopeful of life, and still taking things in a positive direction. You know, life isn't fair. Some people are handed everything. And others, they have to work for all that they have. Rather than complain and cry, woe is me, Monique, she kept putting one foot in front of the other so that she can create a life that she'd be happy with. Keep being you and keep letting that soul of yours shine through i hope this episode finds you all in good spirits again like always thank you all for tuning in you can check out the website it's as easy as putting in giantsamongstus.com there you're able to leave a voice message if you like and let me know where you're listening from what episodes you enjoy what you like about the show what you don't like about the show You can also leave a voice message and let me know where you're listening from or share your thoughts on the show or any of the stories that you've heard in the past. And, of course, if you find value in the show, if you appreciate the stories, the words that have been shared and what's been going on so far with it, you can always leave a rating, you can leave a review, you can do all that on whichever platform it is you're listening to. That can help with putting this inside of the ears of more listeners as we continue to move on with this. So thank you all. And before I wrap this thing up, if you would like to be a part of the show and share your story or even the story of someone in your life that has impacted you in a positive way, you can always reach out to me via email. I'd be happy to connect. Until next time. And very soon. Peace. Do do up, do up, do up, do 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 up, do Looking for a sign to know I'm on the right road. Ain't seen no sign.